Let's look at verse 18 first of chapter 6. It says this, and verse 18 is not a new sentence, so I'm actually going to read a little bit of verse 17 and go into 18, so if you missed last week, you can kind of be brought up to speed. Uh, We've been talking about spiritual armor, okay? So that's kind of the context, but verse 17, it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and then verse 18 says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Okay, so once again, this isn't a new sentence. It's a continuation of the thought uh, in verse 17. It's a continuation of the armor of God that we've been going through together. And so as we just looked at, even in verse 17, so how are we to take the sword of the Spirit, right? We've been talking about these different pieces of armor that we're supposed to have as we go into the spiritual warfare. And, and so what, how we take up that armor is really essentially the heart of verse 18 uh, when it says what? Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, okay? So we are to stand firm against the enemy's schemes through prayer. We are to take up the sword of the Spirit prayerfully. We're to put on that armor prayerfully. See, unlike the other items that we've talked about, the other armor, see, prayer isn't associated with this specific piece of armor. Prayer is the means by which we call on God to prepare us for battle and to help us get through the battle. Prayer enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor, to to carry, to to wield the sword. Um, That's the power of prayer. We cannot fight the battle in our own power. No matter how strong or talented we think we are. And that's the reality. We need prayer because no matter how talented, how gifted, how strong you think you are, how stubborn, how like my will is stronger than their will. I can get through this. I can fight through this. Uh, regardless of that, you are going to need prayer because it's not, you're not just not strong enough. In fact, that's one of the temptations the enemy uses to get us to fall. He, he convinces us. He actually manipulates us through our own giftings. In other words, oh, well, I'm, I've got all this faith, or I'm so talented, or I speak and this happens, or, or people respond to me, or, or man, but I'm such a servant and God's going to bless that. Like when you look at some of the uh, most epic failures in the Bible, it's by some of the most talented people in the Bible. You look at Solomon, you look at Samson, you can look all throughout scripture and see that the enemy actually used their gifts against them when they stopped using those gifts through prayer, through the spirit. Okay, so, so this is important. This whole, when we talk about prayer, this is this all-encompassing thing uh, that, that we need to have. And Jesus modeled prayer in his life before huge events. In fact, going out to the desert to spend time with his father was one of the first things he did, like his public ministry. He went out and spent time with the father in prayer as he fasted. Um, and, and then at, right before he's arrested, uh, at the end of, towards the end of his ministry, what is he doing? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is praying. Prayer is the power for victory. Paul says, pray at all times in the spirit. Okay? He said pray at all times in the spirit. So we come to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. 
Okay, that's, that's critical. And because of the gift of the Spirit, the Christian warrior has constant access to God in the midst of the battle. Okay, that, that, that's huge. So, so because of this incredible gift of the Spirit, we, throughout our battle, throughout the struggle that we're in, when we're feeling attacked by the enemy, we have what? We have that constant access to God in that struggle. Okay, you've got to be, um, you've got to be aware that the enemy wants uh, to take you to a place to where you don't think you have that access anymore. You think you've done too much. You think, you think oh man, he doesn't want to hear me anymore. God, God's done with me and all that. That's from the enemy. No, 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 no. Because of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives, we have that continual opportunity to go and to speak and to listen and to bring our condition before the Lord, whether we're in the middle of the battle, whether we're wounded, whether we feel defeated or whatever. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus did. So the Spirit is that vehicle that takes us there. Romans 8, uh, 26 and 27, it says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, this is, this is crazy. So only by the Spirit's power can we even pray in alignment with God's will. Okay, like, did you see what it said? Like, literally, literally like, like, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Okay, we don't. Left to our flesh, we don't know how we should be praying. We know, we, like, we're going to pray off of what? Off of our feelings, off of our thinking, off of what we know, off of what we don't know. And, and, and so th- this is so powerful because it says what? We don't know, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He picks up where you can't pick up. He takes you farther because you can't go any farther. And and so in prayer, the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's so amazing. This means my prayers, when I am walking in the Spirit, in alignment with the Spirit, my prayers will be from the Spirit, and the prayers that I pray will be in alignment with the Spirit's will. Okay? That, that, that's so important. This is so important because, as I've mentioned, you've heard me mention this before, sometimes what the Spirit is going to lead you towards is different than what you think is best for you or what you think or, or what you believe you should be doing. So, so there's a lot of times we, we believe we know where we're supposed to be. We believe we know the direction that we're supposed to be headed in or, 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 or with a decision or just like I was saying, direction. All those things. We, we believe we know the answer and that if we do not pray in this way, relying on the Spirit, we're, got, we're not going to know if that's God's will or not. We know it's our will. We know it's our thoughts. But what the Spirit does when we're in alignment with His will is it aligns us with God's will in that request. 
okay? And uh, what happens is, is he potentially takes you in a different direction, but it's God's direction for you. It's no longer your direction. And, and that's why we need to rely on the Spirit because um, left to ourselves, we just go whatever way we think is best for us, but we want to be in alignment with God's will, God's best for us. Because the reality is many times the route we have is the wrong route. The decision we think we need to make isn't the right decision. And so we need the Spirit's help. And, 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 and so when, when I am in alignment there, when, when I am praying in alignment with the Spirit, when the Spirit is, is praying on my behalf, I know that the decisions, the directions that I'm, that I'm taking and, and, and I'm making with my life, they're going to honor God. They're going to be God's best for my situation. And you have to understand and know that many times it's going to be different than what you thought it was going to be. And it also many times is going to be different for someone else that you're praying for. Over and over in my life, I've seen God change the direction, the trajectory, the, the, all, all these things, the, the relationship dynamics, all, all, all these different pieces in my life. Um, I have seen God change, and many times it was me going, God, no, 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 you need to do this, or praying that he would do that, and he does something different, and it was God's best. I can look back and see that. There's many times that I have been praying for somebody, and I have been praying a specific way because I, I was believing that's how God wanted me to pray for him, and I've been praying for somebody in the moment, and the Holy Spirit was like, don't pray that way anymore. I want you to pray this way. And I, I, I've, I've said that before to people like, you know what? I just feel like God wants me to, to pray in this way for you. I'm going to pray for that. And, and, and because we always want to be leaning in and listening to, to what he wants us to do and the direction he wants to take us in. And he wants to do that not only in the direction for your life, but in your prayer life. And, and, and so you have to be willing to allow that, to go with that and and, and, and so it's so important. You see, Paul, he here lists, lists these four universal uh, all statements, okay? When I say these all statements, you, you see what he's saying. He says, we pray at all times uh, with all prayer and supplication. So he uses the word all here four different times uh, to talk about uh, the, the, the vast, just the, the comprehensiveness of spirit-enabled prayer. So we pray, it says, at all times. So everywhere, all the time, we should be thinking about prayer, our relationship with God. And, and he also says what? We pray with all prayer and supplication. What he's talking about there is that he's emphasizing uh, the faithful posture in which we are to pray. Okay, so he's emph emphasizing how important that is that we come with this faithful posture, this determined posture of prayer and supplication before God. But he says, I, I, I want you to be praying all the time, at all times, okay? So, what, what does that mean? Because I, I, think, I think sometimes we're like, how does that even happen? Because I'll be working, I'll have to talk to other people, I'm not talking to God when I'm talking to other people. How does that work out? Well, he's obviously not saying in every conversation you're going to have that you need to, be, you need to be praying. In fact, we actually see that more words doesn't make you more spiritual. <laughs> Matthew 6, 7, listen to this. It says, 
And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So if you've ever been impressed by how many words somebody has said in a prayer, that's not an indication of their heart. That's not an indication of their relationship with God. In fact, some of the most shallow relationships you have might be with some of the people that talk the most. Okay, because what? Talking more doesn't equate to depth in relationship, does it? Okay, so, so when it comes to uh, what it's talking about here, it's not just talking about your ability to talk God's ear off, right? Uh, what, what this is, and, and what this is also not talking about, and, and this also is very important for us, is mindless repetitive prayers, where we just essentially say the same thing over again, and, 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 and literally we don't even think about it. We just say the same thing over again. Oh, it's, it's dinner time. I do my thing. Oh, it's nighttime. Do my thing. Oh, it's morning. I do that prayer. I'm in this setting. Do that prayer. I'm praying with this person. Do the loop, right? And so we will not even think about it. We'll just do what we normally do. In fact, uh, last night, one of my boys was praying, and I, and I was sitting there because we pray together before, before they go to bed. And as he was praying, I heard him say something once, and I went, oh, that's great. Then he said it again, and I was like, hmm. Now, I was tired, so I was like, did he really say that again? I don't know. But then he said it a third time, and I stopped him. I don't know if that was the wrong parenting or what, but I stopped him. I said, hey, you've said that three times now. And he went, oh, I have? And I said, yeah, talk to Jesus. Talk to him. Like, talk to him. You don't have to say this. You don't have to repeat this. You don't have to make sure you covered the talk to him. See, here's what happens when we get into this just uh, repetitive, mindless conversation with God. You're actually creating a box that you're saying, the depth of my relationship with God can only go to this length. You're limiting the depth you can have in your conversation with God because, one, the Spirit's not in it. Your mind, your heart's not in it. You have literally just said, this is what I do. This is the packaged prayer that I do. This is my go-to. And guess what? When that's what you do, this is all it stays, okay? This is this is the only thing it is versus when you start to God, when, when the Spirit works, that's when you get that depth. That's when you see that growth. That's when it becomes the cry of your heart. That's when you're in a alignment with the Spirit, it becomes more of a relationship, and that's what he's alluding to, okay? He, he is not talking about just putting words together. Pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's not just this all the time, you're just speaking. No, it is designed, what that is designed to communicate is a deep, continual communion with God, okay? It's a deep relationship. You know, um, Growing up, we had a landline. Now, some of you still have a landline, and I want to encourage you, if you still have a landline, keep the faith. You got this. You can overcome. Some of you have no idea what a landline even is, okay? Uh, all you've known is cell phones, okay? Well, a landline, it was at the house, and it stayed at the house, and many times it would have a cord, but when you would... Um, and a, a conversation with someone on the phone with a landline, uh, you, could, you could press end or you would hang up. But if the other person never hung up, there were many times I would hang up and then I would like pick it back up to start dialing somebody else's number. Dial, you're like, what is that? And 
And as I would do that, I would hear a voice say, hey, Steve, Steve. Well, they never hung up. They didn't hang up, so we were still there. So then I'd be like, hey, I thought we ended it, but we never really ended the conversation. Um, when you are in conversation with God, you should never hang up. Okay, now that doesn't mean you're talking just like all the time to God. No, it just means you're not saying, oh, I'm done with you. Oh, now I'm ready for you. No, you're bringing him into your everyday life. He's a part of it. The decisions, uh, the thoughts, all those things. Like I said, it's very important that we don't have that morning devotional and then turn them off. And then at night, on our nightstand, we go, okay, God, and we turn him back on. No, you need him throughout the day. So we need, when he said praying uh, without ceasing and praying at all times, it's bringing that relationship, growing that relationship to where it's, it's a part of your life throughout the day. My relationship with my wife is with me throughout the day, even though she's not with me throughout the day. Okay? And, and, and so it's important that that's what, we, what we're talking about here. And prayer can, can also not just be this needs-based thing, right? Like I've talked about this with the armor. You can't just go, oh, now I need the armor, so I better put it on. You can't approach prayer that way either. Prayer cannot just be uh, this thing where, oh, now I need God. Now I'll talk to him, right? Like how many of us have people in our lives who maybe they call us friends or, or maybe they're even uh, family, uh, but they only reach out to us when they need something? How does that feel? Don't establish that kind of relationship with God. You don't like it when you're on the receiving end of it. Why in the world would you create and establish this relationship with God that is unhealthy like that? It's not good, so don't do it. It also, this relationship needs to be continual because we don't know when we'll be attacked by the enemy. Okay, um, the whole thing we've been talking about the last few weeks is this spiritual um, war that we're in. And, and one of the things that we see is surprise attacks uh, that have continually throughout history surprised people who weren't prepared for them because they weren't praying without ceasing. Prayer wasn't a part of their continual life. And so because it wasn't, because they weren't in that uh, continual relationship with God throughout the day, they were surprised and attacked at different points in time, and they weren't prepared to handle or navigate those attacks. And so they failed. We have to, it says what? We should stay alert, it says, with all perseverance. That's what it says. We should stay alert with all perseverance. So like good soldiers, we need to keep alert and not fall asleep. Okay? We need to, we need to stay alert. Uh, we, need to um, we need to have urgency because your ability to stay alert... Every time um, I see someone, and man, they're, they're like alert, they're aware of, of what's going on, um, and, and, they're, and they're, they're really uh, just dialed in with what God wants for their life. They're seeking that, they're desiring that, and they're cultivating that. One thing that is always um, a common denominator with people like that, I pray it's me, is they live in light of the urgency we're called to live with with Christ. So as a result of understanding the urgency we're supposed to live with, they are in a state of being alert at all times. 
And so like good soldiers, that's what we're called to do. Uh, Jesus uh, told this to Peter in Mark 14, 38, after Peter had been falling asleep when they were supposed to be praying right before Jesus' arrest. In Mark 14, 38, he says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Did you, did you see this? Okay, so, so literally... <laughs> Watch and pray because temptation is lurking. Temptation is coming. But did you notice what he said? The spirit is willing. The spirit is able. The spirit is an overcomer. The spirit is, is, is all powerful, okay, to handle them, that temptation. But what is weak? Your flesh. Your flesh is weak. And in view of Christ's return in 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, it says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. This, this awareness, this urgency that we're supposed to have in our relationship with God to where we're, we're alert, we're, we're prepared, we're in that ready position uh, for those attacks that we know that we're going to face, and not only attacks, but opportunities as well. Because uh, that's, that's also what happens. See, we need to persist uh, in this prayer. We see the word here, perseverance. It talks about perseverance. Perseverance simply means to stick it out and to not quit. Okay, that's what we talk about persevering. We read about perseverance all throughout Scripture. Acts 2, 42, with the early church, as it's, as it's exploding, it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they devoted themselves to that, okay? That's persistence, okay? That's perseverance. Romans 12, 12, it says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and then this is huge, be constant in prayer. Be constant in it. Okay, don't you, just, not just when it's working, not just, uh, you know, um, in need, but be constant in it. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfast, be persistent, persevere in your prayers and be watchful, be ready as you continue to persevere in your prayer. Now, why, why do we need to uh, persevere? Why do we need to persist in our prayer time? Well, the reality is this. You are going to get tired. You are going to be fatigued. You're going to have moments where you're worn out. You're tired. You feel like you have nothing left to give. What do you do in that space? You're very susceptible. You're very vulnerable. What happens when you feel that fatigue? You need God. You need the Holy Spirit's strength. So prayer, that's when you go to prayer. That's when you have that prayer. He will help pull you out of that fatigue. Uh, when you think about uh, just discouragement, we talked about this last week, discouragement. When you're discouraged, when you're frustrated, when you're just down in the dumps, you see all that's negative, you can't get around it, what do you do with those thoughts? What do you do with it? Where do you take it, right? Well, taking it to the Lord uh, is what? Is praying. We need prayer. And we need the Holy Spirit's help because left to ourselves, our discouragement takes us down, not up. And so we need prayer in those moments, okay? Because that is, is what, what takes us out of those places. And it also, like I said, it gives us boldness for the witness that we're called to have. 
So prayer will make you more bold than you normally are. Prayer will make you have conversations. If you've been bathing a conversation in prayer, you are way more likely to have that conversation than if you haven't been praying about it at all. Okay, because when you're when you've been praying about something, you feel equipped, you feel empowered, uh, you know that 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 God has helped you and to and has prepared you to have. Maybe it's a difficult conversation. Um, maybe maybe it's something you don't want to say. Maybe it's just presenting the gospel, but you feel ready because of the power of prayer. Because the power of prayer combats our weaknesses. As Robert Law puts it in his Tests of Life uh, book, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. It is getting God's will done on earth. Prayer is not me bringing God into alignment with my will. It's him bringing me into alignment with his will. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Be persistent until the Spirit stops you or the Father answers you. Just keep praying. Don't give up. Be persistent in that. Man, there's so many times where, where we, we stop and, and, and it's like, man, you're, why would you cut that off? Like, like, what, like God, God was about to answer that. Or, or you're, t- you're putting, whenever we stop, but God's been leading us to pray for somebody or a situation and we just stop, what we're saying is, God, you didn't operate on my timetable. The Spirit won't let you do that if you're praying in the Spirit. Okay? He'll be leading you in that. The last uh, all statement we see is, is, is praying, making supplication for all the saints. Okay, so the unity of the church has been a huge emphasis in the book of Ephesians. We've seen it all throughout, okay, uh, where it's emphasizing unity. When you become a Jesus follower, you are brought into a new family. With that new family means you have new brothers and sisters. Now, we are called to what? He's saying to we ought to pray for all of the saints. So we are to pray for all of our new family members. That's what we're called to do. Like the Lord's Prayer begins with our Father, not my Father. Okay? Like, like so everything is, is built around this reality that you are called into. You are adopted into this new family. And he says that part of my rhythm, my prayer time, should be praying for the other brothers and sisters that are a part of my family now. Now, here's what I want to challenge us with. It's really easy to pray for those siblings you like, you agree with, you align with politically, uh, with, with, with whatever kind of uh, things are going on culturally. It's really easy to pray for those people. It's really easy to spend time with them, to care about where they're at. But I want to challenge you with this. Who really needs your prayers right now? That's a brother or sister in Christ. Who really needs them? And, and, and also, who, who just is God like? You need to stop being in opposition to that brother or sister, and you need to start praying for them. That's a huge shift. He says, this is part of that. This is, we should be always praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we see 29 and 30 here, verses 29 and 30, or not 29 and 30, 19 and 20. It says, and also for me, 
that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is so big. So Paul, a prisoner in chains, requests prayer because he wants to communicate the gospel more boldly and more effectively. Do you see that? This is crazy. So this, this, we would call him like a giant or a hero of the faith. This guy who's, who's done so much, taken the gospel to all these different people groups, suffered like we can't even imagine. And here he is asking prayer for boldness. So what, what we see here, which is so important for, for some of you who read these stories and go, I could never be that. I don't get it, man. How, how are they like that? I'm just right here in my situation. I can't, I can't get over how pathetic I am, all the mistakes I make and all that. What you need to see there is if he's praying for boldness, it means he also struggled with moments of doubt and moments of fear as well. Okay, he, he's sharing, I need prayer for boldness. This is Paul. We would never anticipate that request, but that's what he's saying. You guys, he struggled with a lot of these same things, okay? And, and, and so if you're going through that struggle as well, I want you to just for a second take comfort in the reality that you both have that struggle, you and Paul, um, but let's see what he does with it. What does he do with it? Uh, well, one, he acknowledges that what? He's an ambassador. You and I, if we're a Jesus follower, we are an ambassador. Ambassador uh, of Christ is a representative of Jesus. And so he, as a representative of Jesus, understood that he is insufficient in his flesh to communicate boldly the gospel to create lasting change in other people's lives. So he is admitting that I cannot do this left to my own self. And he's very skilled, he's smart, he's gifted, and he's saying, uh, I can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help. So you and I, as ambassadors of Jesus, as representatives of Christ, we need to be praying out and asking for boldness. Do you see how instead of feeling this self-pity or resentment as he's sitting there, he asks for prayer for the mission. Even in, prayer, even in prison, Paul wasn't thinking of his own welfare, but of his testimony for Jesus. Think about how that relates to us even uh, today. We'll say, well, I'm, I'm being persecuted for this, or, or this is being done to me or, or against me. This person's saying this or thinking this or sending me this or, or this group of people, and I know what they're about. I know what they're thinking. I know what they're doing and all this. And, and this is being done uh, uh, to me, and, and, and I don't like it. And, and, and we can become so consumed about that and responding to that that we forget about our very purpose for being here. We get so consumed in how I'm being attacked. And Paul, who's clearly being persecuted and suffering for Christ, he says what? He says, pray for my testimony. Pray for, pray for boldness. Pray that I'm bold in sharing. Pray that that's what stands out about me. Pray that that's what people hear. Pray that I wouldn't back down from that. Pray that I don't make suffering the focus. Pray that, that, that me not getting my way won't be the focus of this situation. This needs to be our request. Why does this need to be our request? Because Satan 
Satan does not want us to have the right words uh, to say. He doesn't want us to have moments of boldness as we are called to proclaim the gospel. He doesn't want you to embrace those moments. He wants to keep you from that. He wants to keep you consumed with your own situation. Um, like, and better yet, he wants, he wants us to say nothing because he's distracted us from our very purpose. I'm going to be honest. I, I question whether some of us have even thought about our very purpose for being on this planet in the last six months or why, by chance, somebody else is in our life. How does that happen? Man, the enemy's good. He gets us thinking about all these other things, all these distractions, so that we're not even able to look at somebody in front of us who doesn't know Jesus and understand and know that God has placed us to speak boldly into their life. And the Holy Spirit's going to enable that, empower you to do that. But I fear we're so distracted, we're not doing that. Evangelism is spiritual warfare, so we need God's power to do it faithfully. If he needed prayer for boldness, how much more do you and I? Have you asked someone else to pray for you that you would have boldness? Have you ever asked for that? See, Paul experienced the Lord's presence even in his own imprisonment. He experienced the boldness that God brings into our lives. In 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17, it says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. Oh, that sounds awful. But all deserted me. This is Paul. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Listen, if, like, I just want you to put yourself in, in his shoes for a second. Because if nobody stood by you, if nobody was there for you, if everybody deserted you, how would you feel? What would you be saying about them? Would you be discarding them? Would you be canceling them? All of that? Probably, right? But he says, no, I don't hold that against them. In fact, in that moment, when everybody else deserted me, I experienced the power of God and the boldness that he can bring. And that's why Paul says right now, he like Paul is saying, I don't ask that you pray for comfort, for safety for me, but for the effectiveness of my witness, uh, for the ministry that Christ has called me to. See, we're so quick to allow our circumstances or situations to give us a pass for not being ambassadors for Jesus. And Paul asks for prayer against that mentality. The question is this, does a pandemic determine whether I'll share my faith? I mean, does a president determine whether I'll share my faith? Does a governor determine whether I'm going to share my faith? But those are the things that we find ourselves consumed with, all these other things. The question that we should be asking is not how have all of these things affected me? But what are new opportunities in my life that God is calling me to be an ambassador of Jesus with boldness and to take the gospel into? What, what, where, where are those opportunities? Where are those people? What are those situations that God has opened even during this time? And that's how I want to be praying. That needs to be our mindset. Verses 21 through 24, his final greetings, he says, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, 
the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul loves them and is excited to give them an update into what God's doing. He loves these people. He loves them. He, 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 he knew that they were praying for him. And so this Tychicus guy, uh, we, we see him listed in Acts and Colossians and 2 Timothy and Titus. And he was someone close to Paul that spent a ton of time with Paul. And so Paul sends him to update the believers for two reasons, uh, to uh, give an update uh, on, on what's happening with him and to encourage their hearts. He wanted the church to know what God was doing and how their prayers were being answered and what Satan was also doing to oppose the work of God. See, there are so many other believers with us in the fight. You're not alone. There's so many other believers. There's people praying for you. There's people alongside you trying to move forward together. And so we are called to encourage each other. We need to encourage each other. And part of that is what Paul does here. He shares with the other believers what God's doing in his life, in his ministry. And, and that's what I want to challenge us with is, man, like, are we sharing like stuff like this even right now with each other? Like, like sharing what God's doing in your life. I had somebody share last week with me something that God had led them to and what had happened. And it, it changed my whole day. I was so excited. I felt so um, empowered. I was, I, was, I, I couldn't believe it. And, and it was so neat to see what God did through that other person. And so people, uh, we, we need to share our stories. We need to share what God is doing with each other. That, that encourages us. It, 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 it uplifts us, and, and that's necessary. And so Paul does that with these people that he cares about. And he concludes in verses 23 and 24 by using the words he began his letter with, peace and grace. And he also mentions faith and love. This love, this faith, this grace and peace, they all flow from a life that is in Christ. What's the theme of this series? What's the theme? In Christ. And the question is, do you love Christ with what he calls here an incorruptible love? Do you love Christ with an incorruptible love? I can't think of another book in the Bible that so clearly articulates all that we have in Christ you have been adopted. You, he, he literally went, he, he's like, I want you in all my failure, all my mistakes, my past, and, and brings us in, adopts us into, into his family, makes us his sons and daughters, cancels the debt, all of that, gives us access to the Father, gives us the Holy Spirit, empowers us to live, Gives us an incredible mission. And then, and then also, as a result of that, what have we been looking at in these, in these recent chapters is how that plays out, how, how, that, how that is lived in relationships and how critical and how important that is. And, and, and as we've been talking about this, as we've even going, uh, been going through spiritual warfare, and as we've been talking about prayer uh, today and how important that, that has to be in every area of your life, the question is not do you, do you oh, agree with it, but are you experiencing this? 
Are you experiencing this? And if you love Jesus, if he is a part of your life to, to the degree that we've been talking about, my goodness, you are, you, are, you are experiencing everything we're talking about. But if not, what is going on? What is separating you from him? And, and, and maybe it's just getting things corrected in your life, or maybe um, it's actually receiving him as Lord and Savior of your life. If you have never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I want to plead with you to do that because he will change your life. And, and listen, um, like no other time, I think we're all very aware of the evil that's out there. Uh, of how out of control things are to where we're so reminded of our mortality and we're reminded of how small we are. And so we need a big savior. And, and Jesus is that for us. And so if you need to receive him as your Lord and savior, acknowledging uh, that he is God, acknowledging um, that your sin had separated you from a perfect and holy God, but Jesus came and was the perfect sacrifice for those sins giving you access to the Father, resurrecting from the dead so that now you as well can live in light of that and have victory in your own life and know that redemption is available to you, forgiveness, and a living hope that you can live with, knowing that once you receive him as your Lord and Savior and you surrender your life to him, you are given heaven, the reality of the future hope. I pray that for you, and uh, I want to just close with our time together as we um, remember the reality that God wants to be a part of every area of your life. Prayer is, is bringing him into that. It's an invitation into a deeper relationship, and I don't care where your relationship's been at with him. I would challenge you, go deeper with him. Go deeper. Watch what he does. Let's pray.